told us not to worry about tomorrow, right? Jesus told us that. Matthew 6, 34 says, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take, care, uh, take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Take no thought for the morrow. That's easier said than done, isn't it? Right? Uh, we see dangerous things around the corner. Uh, we Bills piling up. We see trouble brewing at work, etc. And what, what we think about is going to severely affect our actions and our attitudes. And so the Bible cautions us. Don't worry about that. God is in control. And he tells us uh, our mindset is very vital. Many times the devil likes to throw things at our minds to take us off kilter. And he has uh, done this a long time. Uh, he's just a simple thought of worry or anxiety can really trip us up. It's no wonder that Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5, he says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. He tells us to cast down our imaginations. The, the word imaginations means that we are to, the things that we're considering, the things that we're reflecting on, the things we're thinking about. And I don't know about you, that imaginations kind of call, the word imaginations kind of calls up the idea of how our mind just starts to go, doesn't it? And uh, you begin to worry and begin to think, and well, this could happen or that could happen. And it's a good word to be used to really think of what we're talking about here. He says, cast that down. He goes on and tells us that we are to cast down every thought that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. That is, everything that contradicts the word of God. That's where the knowledge of God comes from. He said we need to bring into captivity, capture it, box it up in obedience to Christ. And the Bible tells us as he, a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we're going to look at our thoughts and emotions over the next four weeks and see how we can use the Word of God to help take, our, uh, uh, take care of our mental and emotional well-being. In turn, this will affect positively our spiritual well-being. Amen? And today I want to look at Philippians chapter 4, this passage that we just read. You know, we live in a world where stress is a constant. It's just all around us. Uh, but... Why, uh, what are we to do with this stress and anxiety? Trouble is always going to be with us. Jesus told us that. He made no bones about it. John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. There's no doubt about it, right? In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. So even though we have a tribulation, and we will have tribulation, we can still have peace. Peace of heart, peace of mind. But it's going to require us taking stock of our situation, taking our thoughts captive, and replacing the lie of Satan with the truth of God's word. So often, whenever I talk to people and they talk about a struggle that they're going with, I'll confront them with the realization that that's a lie from Satan. What you just said is a lie. You didn't lie, but you've been fed a lie. And you've begun to believe it. 
And you need to replace that lie, cast it out, take it captive, and we need to replace it and put it under obedience to God's word. God's word says this. That's the truth. And we need to confront things, uh, the situations in our lives, the stresses of our lives, with God's word. Amen? And Paul wrote the epistles of Philippians during a, a time of immense personal stress. <laughs> uh, he had been dealing with some conflict with uh, his former colleagues, the Jews. They were after him. There had been multiple attempts on his life. He had been let down out of the city wall in a basket. How many of you would like to try that? Amen? I don't know how big that basket was, but man, uh, I don't know. But that's stressful. Amen? Multiple attempts had been made to, to uh, kill him. Now he's living under house arrest in Rome, awaiting the time that he can present his case to Caesar and be able to be set free. During this time, there were preachers going around preaching the gospel, but they did it in a way that was contentious towards Paul, purposefully preaching in a way that would cause him more stress. And they must have been bad-mouthing of him or some way. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, he tells the church at Philippi, Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. They were specifically attacking him. And they preached Christ, but they did it in a way to add to Paul's misery. Yet there were others who preached out of love. Verse 17 of that, uh, that chapter says, But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. But it's amazing Paul's reaction to all of this. Paul chose to rejoice through it all. Verse 18, that next verse says, What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. He said, the gospel is still being preached. And so he said, I will rejoice. Boy, what a great heart, amen? Talk about taking the thought, every thought captive, amen? Even though they were attacking him, he said, hey, they're, they're still preaching Christ. They're still getting the gospel out, and people hear, are at least hearing the truth of God. And he took those thoughts captive, and he still rejoiced. Paul found the secret, his, he controlled his mindset. Was he going to focus on the problem? Or was he going to focus on the promise? Boy, that was the key. His focus would determine his mental and emotional state. In Philippians 4, he began to instruct those in Philippi not to focus on the negatives or the problems, but to focus on God. How can we follow Paul's example in taking our thoughts captive and choosing to do what God tells us in his word instead? Number one, that's what we want to look at today. Number one, choose joy. Choose joy. It's a choice, amen? Verse four, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. When we're faced with some troubles, we have a choice. We know this because this verse is in the imperative. It's a command. Rejoice in the Lord, Paul says, and through God through him. God tells us, choose joy, no matter the situation. God never commands something that he will not enable us to do. Amen? We're commanded to rejoice. But it's not the situation in which we rejoice. No, we rejoice 
And the command is to what? Letter A there we see, rejoice in the what? The Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Get your gladness, get your joy from walking with the Lord. This is not a matter of feeling. You're not commanded to feel joy. <laughs> Amen? Feel joyful. Okay? <laughs> you know? It doesn't happen. No. You're not commanded to feel joyful. You're commanded to choose joy. Focus on the things that will give you joy. It's a matter of obedience. Choose. The truth is we should not be obedient to our feelings anyways. Amen? And that is the way we naturally are, if we're not careful. No, instead, we ought to make our feelings obedient to God. And do what He tells us to do. Control our feelings. Did you know that you can do that? <laughs> we can control your feelings. What a concept, amen? When we do not feel like rejoicing, we take our thoughts captive. And we say, this is not what God has commanded me in his word. He has not commanded me to dwell on those things that are misery. He has not commanded me to dwell in this despair and negativity. He has commanded me to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The imperative there, not only imperative, but it's also commanded repeatedly. Twice he emphasizes it. Choose joy. Not just some of the time. But always, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And he continues and says that we are to, letter B, rejoice in the Lord's coming. Paul says, let your moderation, that word is appropriateness, or you're yielding to what you're yielding to, be known unto all men. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Amen? The Lord is at hand. His coming is nigh. Let this stir the rejoicing in your heart. Amen. Jesus is coming again. Amen. And let that rejoice your heart. We'll not have to deal with these situations forever. Amen. We can rejoice. We can live the way God wants us to live. Because he is coming. The end is coming. Amen. I heard about a preacher who was standing outside of his, uh, his church with a sign that says the end is not near. And uh, he kept holding it there and trying to wave it at people. And the end is near. And people were honking at him and waving him off and everything else. So this assistant pastor come, came out and said, Pastor, do you think that maybe we ought to change that sign to say the bridge is out? <laughs> no, but uh, we can rejoice that the, the end is near. Amen. Not just the bridge, but that Jesus is coming back soon. It's our choice to rejoice. Choose joy. Are you going to choose to live in despair or are you going to choose to live by choosing joy? Second way that Paul tells us that we can take our thoughts captive in obedience to God's word is to, number two, reject anxiety. Reject anxiety. The Bible says in verse number six, be careful for nothing. That word careful means anxious. It's the, it's the same word in, in the Greek. Uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Worry and anxiety is the natural way of life. But we're not supposed to live in the natural man, amen? We're not supposed to live naturally. We're supposed to live God's way and yield it to His Spirit. And to do this, 
we need to reject anxiety and worry. How do we do this? We take those thoughts captive. We take them captive. We say, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to captivate those, and I'm going to push those under obedience to Christ. God says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And you find scripture, and you read scripture, and every time you find a verse that deals with the worry that, that seems to beset you and constantly comes back to, uh, when you find that verse, write it down, amen? Put it near you so that you can go back to it and say, nope, I'm not going to think that way. What does the Bible say? And you go back and you read that verse and you quote it, and you put that thought into obedience to Christ and his word. We take thoughts captive, and we, first of all, letter A, we give it to God. We reject anxiety and we give it to God. He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Don't be anxious, but by prayer and supplication, give it to God. Pray about it. Are you worried about a bill coming up? Pray about it. Amen? Uh, we were just faced with a uh, situation this week where it seems, another situation where it seems insurmountable. And you know what? I said, let's pray. Amen? And we're gonna, God's going to provide. He always does. In a situation that we don't know how we're going to get around it. But God's going to provide the way. He always does. Are you worried about a medical test being done? Pray about it. Amen? Let, the, let other Christians know about it so they can pray. Are you worried about your children and the way that they're headed? Pray about it. Amen? Pray fervently. Are you worried about a task that you have coming up? Pray about it. Are you worried about being in your house all alone at night? Pray about it. Are you worried about your work situation? Pray about it. Are you worried about your relationships at home? Pray about it. Make it a matter of prayer. But I'll tell you what, you know, so many times we worry about something and we'll say, boy, this is so important to me. But you know what? The amount of time that we spend praying about it will really determine how important it is to you. Amen? Say, so, oh, my heart is broken, my husband, my son, my whatever is not saved. How much time have you spent praying about it? How much time have you really been spending time really fervently praying for that person? Say, well, I pray for them. But do you pray, do you fervently pray and consistently and repeatedly? We need to pray about it, amen? Are you worried about something that you've done in the past? Pray about it. Deal with it. Take care of it. Stop worrying. Give it to God. Amen? Be careful. Be anxious for nothing. Be worried about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, give it to God. Prayer deals with talking to God, asking Him. I just listened as I was traveling this week, visiting some schools. I, uh, um, oh my goodness, the, the name left me. Um, Andrew Murray, uh, his book on prayer, one of his books on prayer. And I listened to it as I was driving, and boy, man, alive. Uh, we really don't really have a true concept of prayer, amen, and how important prayer is. And everything, give it to God, and talk to him, ask him. Supplication deals with making our, uh, the needs of our own needs or needs of others known. You say, God does know. Yes, but he still wants you to talk, he wants you to, talk to him about it, amen. He wants you to talk to him about it. We're asking God to intervene, to make a difference, to get, get involved. We can pray and we can give our supplications. And we can, by the way, we can pray and, 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 and supplicate and all of that and still worry. We can't do that. We've got to give that worry to God. 
in that prayer. So God is very careful to tell us to change our focus. Reject anxiety. Give it to God. And then secondly, he says, change your focus. Focus on thanksgiving. Focus on thanksgiving. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Focus on what God has already done for you. Be thankful to him for how he has both already worked and in faith how he will work. Amen? Use what God has already done as the step of faith that you need to say, you have helped me in the past, therefore I know you're going to help me in the future. And give it to God. My kids want something, they would be wise to come to me with a spirit of thanksgiving and not demanding. Amen? Dad, I, I sure appreciate how you work so hard to provide all of our needs, and I, I sure am thankful for that. But you, do you think we could keep an eye out for some new shoes? My, my shoes are falling apart. That, that happens all the time. I'll tell you, my kids are perfect, and they, ha they talk like that all the time. That was a joke, and nobody's laughing, okay? Uh, I know you think the pastor's kids are always perfect, but that, that doesn't happen, okay? But they would be wise if they did that, right? Be wise if they didn't come to me and, and, and say, you know what, I never have nice shoes. These things are always falling apart. You need to buy me some new shoes. You know, it would be wise to come with Thanksgiving, amen? And likewise, it would be wise for us to come to God with thanksgiving. Amen? Come to him. Say, Lord, I'm so thankful to see how you have helped me so, so much in the past. And I've seen how you've been so faithful to me. And I know that you're going to be faithful in the future. Father, I bring this to you and I give you this, this concern, this worry, this anxiety. I, I, I naturally want to worry about this, but I want to reject that. I'm going to give it to you. I want to lay it at your feet and say, Lord, please take care of this. You deal with this. And help me to walk away from this, thankful that you are in control. Amen? Boy, how much more peace can you have than when you do that? No, God wants us to bring our needs before him. But he also says, be thankful. Have a spirit of thanksgiving in your requests. And what will be the results? Verse 7. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The result is peace, not anxiety. Peace not in gratitude. Peace, not worry. Amen? In order for us to change our mindset, we're going to have to take captive every thought. Bring it under obedience to God's word. This includes a bad attitude or a grumbling spirit. We take it captive and we bring it under obedience to rejoicing. The command, choose rejoy. We take our worry and our anxiety captive. We bring it under obedience to God's word with thanksgiving and giving it to God. The third way we can take our cap thoughts captive is we can purposefully, number three, think right. Think right. The Bible says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. <laughs> verse 9 says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Paul gives us a checklist to see if what we are thinking needs to be taken captive or not. Amen? Every thought that we think ought to be in obedience to God's word. But this takes purposeful and thoughtful action. It just doesn't come naturally. We have to purposefully take these things captive. First, we have to ask ourselves, does this thought, letter A, meet the requirements? 
Does this thought meet the requirements? Whatsoever things are true, is it the truth? If it is it true, is it a lie from Satan that God that he has planted in your heart to deceive you and to pull you away from the truth of God's word? Throw out the lie from the devil and replace it with God's word. Whatsoever things are honest, that word means worshipful or reputable, uh, honest. It is that which is derived from a higher citizenship. Is it worthy of your true citizenship? Amen. We are citizens of another land. Amen. We are, we are ambassadors of Christ living in this foreign land. Is what you're thinking worthy of your true citizenship? Is it honest? Whatsoever things are just. Is it righteous and just? Is it the right thing? Whatsoever things are pure. Means innocent, pure, blameless. That thought that you're having, is it pure? If not, reject it. What's your things are lovely? The word means that things that are acceptable and pleasing. And what's your things are good, uh, of good report? Is it praiseworthy? Is it laudable? Is it something that gives God praise and you can praise God through it? If not, put it under captivity and bring it to God. Is there, if there be any virtue, that means being pleasing to God. If there be any praise, is it praiseworthy and commendable? He tells us these are the things you need to think about. Boy, how many of us have a lot of things to take captive, amen? A lot of us. Yeah, I do, for sure. I have a lot of thoughts I need to take captive and bring it under obedience to Christ. It takes a lot of work, but you want to have peace or do you not? Amen? Does this, uh, this, uh, does this thought that you're having meet the requirements? You say, boy, that's a lot of work. I don't have time to go through that last. You know, the truth is we know th if a thought is righteous immediately. Amen? We know. We don't need to go, is it true? Okay, yeah. Is it true? No, we know. Okay? The Holy Spirit of God is in us. He tells us. Okay? So it really doesn't take, don't make excuses. <laughs> okay? Let's just do what's right. Does it meet the requirements? Uh, if not, we need to change our thought. Uh, is this true? Is this honest? Bring it under captivity. Replace it with God's word. You say, well, no one cares about me. Nope, take that captive. Bring it under obedience to God's word. Psalms 136, verse 23. Who remembered us in our lowest state for his mercy endureth forever? Who remembered us? God, amen? He always knows. He always cares. There's a hundred different verses, but for time's sake, I, didn't, I just chose that one. Uh, no one understands what I'm going through. No, nope. take it captive. Bring it under captivity and obedience to God's word. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the, with the feeling of our infirmities, but have in all points been tempted like as we are, yet without sin. God knows what you're going through. Jesus knows. He is your high priest, and he knows what you're going through. No, he understands. I just can't stand that person. They get on my nerves. Take it captive and bring it under obedience to God's word. Is that pure and lovely? Is it representative of your position as an ambassador to Christ? Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, uh, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Take it captive. Bring it under obedience to God's word. 
and say, you know what, I've got to change that. I can't think that way. I've got to do what's right. Whatever it may be, we need to take each thought captive and compare it to God's standard for our thoughts. So what do we do if we find that it doesn't match up to this checklist? If it doesn't match up, we fill it with God's word, letter B. We fill it with God's word. Here in verse 9, he tells them how to keep your th- their thoughts right. Remember the right things. He says, what you have learned. Remember what you have received. Remember what you have heard. Remember what you've seen in me. Remember the Bible verses that you've learned. Remember the, what the Bible tells you about those feelings you're feeling. Remember what you've been taught in Sunday school and in sermons. Remember the sermons that you heard. Remember the examples that God has given you. And remember what you have seen in the lives of those godly people around you. In essence, replace the bad thoughts with the thoughts of God's word and the teaching of God's word. Replace it. Fill it. I said Jill with God's word. Wow, I have had a couple of typos today. Uh, Fill it with God's word. Uh, So in order for us to change our mindset, we're going to have to take captive every thought and bring it under obedience to God's word. Replace the negative attitude with rejoicing. We choose joy. We take our worries and our anxieties captive and we bring it under obedience and bring it to God and through his word with thanksgiving. We must take every thought captive and purposely think right. Compare our thoughts to God's checklist. When it doesn't match, replace it with God's word. Then fourth, we need to choose to be content. Be content. Verse 10 through 12 says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. But that I speak in re- not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I know how to bo- uh, how, both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And Paul lives by example in verse number 10. He was content. But he was still careful, by the way, if we notice in verse number 10, he was careful to accept help when God gives it, letter A. He was careful to accept help when God gave it. Verse 10, he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. He was content, but when God brought help, he accepted it. Amen. So try to live so contented that you don't, uh, don't some people try to live so contented that, uh, that, that they don't accept help when God tries to send it. Amen? Oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I, I'm praying about it, and I'm, God will provide. <laughs> well, God's trying to provide, amen? Uh, don't be so prideful that you can't accept help, amen? Be thankful. You know, I, I hate asking for help. I hate it. Uh, when I need help, I, you know, with something, and a project or whatever, I, I hate asking for it. I, I hate telling anyone that, that I have a need. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be a burden to anyone. And when someone gives us something, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm careful not to turn it away because uh, I realize I've learned that God has brought that. But, boy, I just, it, you know, I feel like, man, I, I, boy, I just wish, you know, it just, it just kind of makes you funny, doesn't it? But we have to be willing to accept what God brings us. Amen. You know, the it, truth is, it's pride, isn't it? It's pride. And that's what we're fighting. And it's hard on our pride. But I have to realize that God places on the hearts of other Christians a need that you have and desires to bless them through their giving. 
If we reject it, we are stealing a blessing from them. We've got to be careful. Paul rejoiced that the church at Philippi cared about him. He says, again, they have helped them in the past as well. They just this time lacked the opportunity to do something about it. Paul had received help from his fellow Christians many times, including at times past from this very church. In fact, later in this very chapter, in verse number 16, he says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. He talks about the fact that they had already given so much to them when he was there in Thessalonica. And he was willing to humble himself and accept the help that God sent his way. But he was also willing, letter B, to be content when God doesn't. Amen? To be content when God doesn't. He says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to be abound and to suffer need. And Paul chose contentment. No matter what situation he found himself in, he chose to be content. He told the church there at Philippi, I'm talking about the gift that you recently wanted to give, but I'm not speaking because I need something, because I want something. He said, I've learned to be content no matter the situation that he has found himself in. He's learned to be abased. That means to be humbled in material goods. He's learned to abound, to be overflowing with material goods. He's learned to both situations. In his ministry experiences, he has experienced plenty, and he's experienced hunger. Here under house arrest in his rented home in Rome, not where he had planned, not where he wanted to be, but where God had him, he chose contentment. Amen? How? How does he live in contentment even when he is suffering need and hunger? Because verse 13 tells us, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This is the context of that verse. This is the context. We like to take that verse out of context. And we say, I can do all things through Christ. It's true. We can. But the context in which he's speaking is when you're suffering need. Amen. I can be content because I can, be, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. God never commands anything that he is not willing to obey, uh, that he is not willing to enable us to obey. If he commands us, he's going to enable us to do it. God never takes us anywhere or through anything where his grace cannot keep us. I read a poem of sorts by an unknown author that has helped me for years now. I put it away in my files uh, to, to look back on every once in a while. This poem says, The will of God will, not, will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you, where the arms of God cannot support you, where the riches of God cannot supply your needs, where the power of God cannot endow you. The will of God will never take you where the Spirit of God cannot work through you, where the wisdom of God cannot teach you, where the army of God cannot protect you, where the hands of God cannot mold you. The will of God will never take you where the love of God cannot unfold you, where the mercies of God cannot sustain you, where the peace of God cannot calm your fears, where the authority of God cannot overrule for you. The will of God will never take you where the comfort of God cannot dry your tears, where the word of God cannot feed you, where the miracles of God cannot be done for you, where the omnipresence of God cannot find you. Amen? God knows where you are. Amen? He knows what you're going through. 
And God will never put you through something where his power, his grace, his mercy, and everything else that he has will not keep you and move you and help you through it. Our mindset is so important. How are you going to keep your mind? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think thoughts that are uh, distrusting of the Lord, you're going to live in anxiety and worry. If you think thoughts of hatred and evil speaking, you will live in bitterness and strife. If you think thoughts that are untrue according to God's word, you'll live the lie throughout your life, and you'll never see the blessed truth shine forth through you. We need to take every thought captive and bring the thoughts under obedience to the knowledge of God, the word of God. Are you living in despair and depression? Choose joy. It'll take time. It'll take effort. It'll take consistency. But choose joy. Are you living in anxiety and worry? Reject it and give the situation to God and choose thankfulness. Are you living with thoughts that are not righteous, not pure, not true? Choose to think right and fill your mind with God's word. Are you unhappy with the situation God has you? The balance of your checking account? The life that you have? Choose contentment. God will provide when the need is real. Amen? Take captive the wrong thoughts and bring them under obedience to God's word. Now depression and severe anxiety may need some help from medical doctors to break a cycle. And get us where we can are able to place God's truth and put God's truth to the situation. In this case, seek medical help. But otherwise, we just need to choose to live in obedience to God's word. So many times, we take, uh, people will take the easy way out rather than do the work that's required to take every thought captive and place it under obedience to Christ. In the first chapter of her book, Get Out of Your Head, author Jenny Allen shares a valuable and honest moment in her life, uh, in her own life, about how hard it can be to focus in a world of distractions. She said, take every thought captive. They say authors write books for two reasons. Either the author is an expert on the subject, or the subject makes the author desperate enough to spend years finding the answers. (laughs) I like that quote. Uh, The latter most definitely described me, she said. This morning I woke up intending to write to you. But first, I thought, I need to spend some time with God. So what did I do? I picked up my phone. I noticed an email about something that I was working on in which the sender was constructively critical of my work. And just as I decided to set my phone down, something else stole my attention. The next thing I knew, I was on Instagram, noticing other people's wins and glories contrasted with my work and process that seemed to not be measuring up. In minutes with my phone... I decided that I was an an inadequate writer. I was spending my life chasing things that mean nothing because I am nothing. I have nothing to say. I was spiraling fast into discouragement. Then my husband, Zach, came in happy having just met with God, and I snapped at him. My spiral began to spin faster and more chaotically. In less than an hour, I had diminished myself, criticized all of my work, decided to quit ministry, ignored God, and pushed away my greatest advocate and friend. She says, wow, brilliant, Jenny. And that was only this morning. And now you want to try to help me with my chaotic thoughts? (laughs) 
Oh, how easy the devil gets in, doesn't he? And starts to rally. You may not be a writer. You may not be an author. But God, uh, God wants to help you do whatever he wants you to do. And the devil knows that. And he gets in and plants those seeds that starts that spiral that goes in our lives. Why well, I can relate to Jenny's morning, I know. You know, I can. It, it, may, it may not look exactly like that, but the patterns are certainly recognizable. Just as Jenny recognized the wrong thoughts and brought them under captivity to obedience to God's word, we need to do the same thing. It starts with a commitment and a choice. Choose joy. Reject anxiety and choose thanksgiving. Choose to think right and choose contentment. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to go ahead and have the Lord's Supper uh, and go right on into the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this uh, new series, Lord. I pray that you would help us, Father, to take these, cap these thoughts captive and bring them under obedience to you and to your word. I pray that you guide and direct us now this morning as we take our thoughts and, uh, again, bring them captive, uh, not worried about what's going on in our lives or anything else, but to think uh, about this time spending with you at your table, <coughs> remembering the sacrifice that you have made for us. I pray that you guide and direct our thoughts. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, For I, I have received of the Lord that which I have delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. I'll have the men come on forward and uh, prepare for the table. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. At the same, after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Well, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we, would if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Let's take just a moment, as is our, often is our, our way here. We take a moment and just ask the Lord to search our hearts, be if there anything that we have not confessed to him. And let's come to the Lord's table with a clean and prepared heart to hear from him and to worship him. Let's go and ask the Lord to show us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you so much for your promises. And I often quote the verse the, uh, at this time that uh, if we've confessed our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We thank you, Lord, for those promises. We come to you and ask you to uh, create in us a clean heart, O oh Lord, and ask you that we would be able to come to this table clean. We thank you, Lord, for your promises and for your help. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Well, the Bible gives us an example of how the Lord's Supper is uh, to, to be done. And uh, in the Word, he says that he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it before he broke it, actually. 
And uh, so we'd like to ask if uh, uh, Brother uh, Cooey, if you would take and ask the Lord's blessing on the bread.
all together on that first verse. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory Oh, victory in Jesus My Savior forever He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Praise God. He loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath a cleansing flood. I'm going to do something unusual that I don't usually do. Let's sing that fourth verse. I think it's fourth verse. Maybe it's just the last verse. Uh, see if we can find that. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. Uh, about the angels singing. Uh, I don't remember because the rest isn't there. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, but let's sing that there. And we get to that part on, the, on that verse, the last part of that verse where it says up there. I want you to point to the sky and I would say up there. Okay. How many of you are excited about going to heaven? Amen. Amen. Uh, we're not going to take a busload today, but uh, we'll, we'll just. But it'll be ex as exciting when it, the Lord does have us come. Amen. Let's sing that fourth verse together. I heard about a mansion He has built for me in glory, and I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing And the old redemption story Ready? And some sweet day I'll sing Up there the song of victory Sing it out now Oh, victory in Jesus My Savior forever He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Praise God. He loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Amen. Thank you for your patience and letting me do that. I love that last verse. We hardly ever sing it because we only sing it at communion just about. But thank you for being here today. We appreciate your uh, faithfulness to be here. I hope I didn't make you burn your roast on your way home. So, uh, But let's, uh, let's uh, go, praise the Lord for being here and uh, let's get me a bit, let me get back. I couldn't get the words out. Let me get to the back to be able to shake your hands on your way out. God bless you.